This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. So we're starting Yoshua. Parakalok Pasagalok. It says like this. Vayachrei most Moshe Eved Hashem after Moshe, the Eved of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, right? The Eved of Hakadosh Baruch Hu died. Vayom Hashem Yoshua ben Nun Mishoris Moshe Lemor. Hashem said to Yoshua ben Nun, the servant to Moshe, saying, Moshe Avdi Meis, Moshe my servant David, Alto Kuma Boris Yarden Ezek, cross over this Jordan River. Atu v'cholam azel aorz Hashem Nun Mishoris Anochi no Sem Lahem Lubnei Yisrael. All the people they should go to the land that I have given to the people of Bnei Yisrael. Okay, this is the year 2488 of creation. It's 2488 in which Moshe Rabbeinu had passed away over here. There's a machlok as how old Yoshua was at the time. He may have been 82, 96, 88, or 72. Most Meforshim say 82. Seder Adoro says 82. So we're going to go with that when it comes down to him. Is there him. another one regular? Like, Try this. Yeah, right. Has, has the go attack. through. So yeah. goes through. It didn't. Oh, and this also. We have this also. It didn't. Uh, it seems Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, Yoshua never got a nevua from Hakadosh Baruch Hu until after Moshe died. It's only by Yachre Mos Moshe Eved Hashem that by Yomer Hashem Yoshua. It certainly seems that way, and it seems the reason why is because it waited until thirty days afterward when he finished his period of mourning. When a person is in sadness, a person can't get a nevua, and it waited until that point. However. It's possible Yoshua did receive an Avua during Moshe Rabbeinu's lifetime. It might be that he received one during that lifetime. There is a famous Medrash in Parshish Pinchas that he was brought to the Olmoid, etc., and by Yelich as well. It's possible over there. I that when, uh, was in the Parsha, I don't think it's not in the Parsha, when Moshe gave Smitha for his hand, it says that, it, that um, he, be, he became the leader of the Ruach. Moshe's lifetime. Correct. He got the Ruach. You're yeah, so 100% it. correct. So he had something, but did he have an actual Navua then? That's the only question. We don't see it directly, right? But we see it right over there. Um, it, it seems that the reason why Yoshua was chosen over everything else is because he was the Mishores of Moshe. He was the one who served Moshe day and night. He's the one who took care of all the Sfarim and the base Medrash. He used to arrange the benches, prepare the seat, do everything that needed to be done, and then he would help him sit down. He seemed like he was a nobody, but in the end he was the person who was right around then. No, I said uh, the, like the tables. No, but you said arrange the Sfarim. Oh, Sfarim? I meant the tables. I meant that. Yeah, not so many Sfarim. That, that would be 100% true. Right? And that's that. It could be that he needed the Urim Betumim to help him at first, and that's why Moshe Rabbeinu told him to be able to use uh, Elazar and to be able to go with him, etc. However, it's possible that that was only in front of the people that they did that, but really Yoshua would never need that. Yoshua would not need the Urim Betumim. He became a tremendous Navi at that time, right? It's possible that that happened over there. It's possible the reason why he became Moshe Rabbeinu's successor is also because he defended Moshe Rabbeinu's honor. When Eldon Medad said that famous Nevuah, Moshe, Mace, Yoshua, Machnes, and Moshe's going to die, Yoshua's going to bring them in, he said, Adoni Moshe Kla'im, destroy them, get rid of them. We can't have people like this over here. Is that the first it's time you see Yoshua? No, no, earlier, Hoshea Ben Nun, by the Miraglam. But this is the first time he defended no, Moshe. No, before the Miraglam, when does it say, Na'ar lo'yam Moshe ha'ohel? When does it say that, Pasuk? Yoshua binu Na'ar lo'yam Moshe ha'ohel, meaning he was always at Moshe's side. Yeah, I think later, Pinchas, I think it was. No, it was Matan Torah. It says when he came down, he says, Oh, by call, the end of the month. Uh, You're so correct. He was already there. Yeah, he was for sure there at that time. But what, what made him the successor? That wow. didn't necessarily make him the successor. That's the idea behind yeah, but it. Who, yeah, yeah, yeah. But who else was around that could have held the position? Simply put, Moshe Rabbeinu and Parshat Pinchas the Medrash says he wanted his sons to take over. Yeah, but we don't know anything about them. We don't know because they didn't get chosen. Yeah, but Kaleb got chosen. But he thought they were both there. And actually, the Chassam Sofer says if he wanted them to be chosen, it must be that they were chashev enough to be chosen. They were chashev. They just weren't chosen. 
but they were people that Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu was not trying to do this out of, you know, uh, you know, his fatherly duties, like, I want to give this over to my kid. He felt they were worthy. Um, it says over here that Moshe, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's next words were that they should go over the Jordan River. So he said, I, I don't understand. Why did that have to happen right away? That have to happen right there? Why couldn't they have waited? They could have waited Wait and crossed what? a little bit later. So the answer is, the answer is, you're exactly right. Once the mitzvah, an opportunity comes to fulfill one of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's words, you do it immediately. You do it absolutely immediately. It also could be that the Jews were still afraid. 30 days had passed since Moshe Rabbeinu's death. They didn't make it any easier on them. They sat there and they said, do we know that Yoshua is going to be just as good as Moshe Rabbeinu? We don't know. We have absolutely no idea. And therefore, part of this was trying to figure out what was going to be. In well, fact... they know they couldn't? Nobody's going to be as good as Moshe? Like, you can't. For sure. But they yeah, weren't sure how the Jews protected. The desert to death. <laughs> it was, were they going to be as protected? They knew they had to go to war. What was this war going to be like against the Canaan? They were scared out of their minds. Now... There's another medrash. It's brought down in the Gemara in Arachin, uh, in Timura, on top Tessayin, where it says that during the days of those 30 days, nobody was able to learn. They were so sad, there wasn't any learning going on. And because they didn't learn it all, 3,000 laws were forgotten. Maybe Kavachomers, Diktuke Sofrim, Halachos, whatever it was, but they lost them. They went to Yoshua and they said, can you can remind us of it? And Yoshua said, I, I, I don't remember them. And the people wanted to kill him for it. Now, what's the reason why they wanted to kill him for it? I mean, it happens. Everybody forgets halachos. And the answer is because this really happened because of the gaiva of Yoshua. When Moshe Ben was dying, he said to Yoshua, is there anything that I can help you learn? Is there anything I can teach you? And Yoshua said, what do you mean? Lo yom The Pasuk you just said, lo yom I never moved, right? I know everything over here. And he got upset about it. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Yoshua, for that you're going to lose something. And they lost it. They mamash lost it. Yoshua went to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, lo I can't tell you these halachos anymore. It's too late. And Asniel Ben Kenaz had to bring it back from his pupil. Asniel Ben Kenaz had to work on it really, really hard, be methalful, reconstruct them. And he did it. And Baruch Hashem, they were able to get it back. That was one sign of gaiva that unfortunately Yeshua had, which throughout this safer we're going to see he rectifies. He becomes an anav, a pure anav. When it goes through over here, we're going to see quite a bit about that as well. There's a couple things that he goes through into a muscle over here. Now, a slave is someone without any possessions. He has no will. He has no legal status. He has no authority of his own. He's totally subservient to his master. That's an evid Hashem. Being a slave, in our minds, is something that's degrading and disgusting. If I would call you a slave, you'd be like, Shlo Asani Ovid, HaKadosh Baruch thank you for not making me into an Ovid. We consider that one, you know, disgusting, absolutely disgusting. You call somebody a slave, it's so demeaning to that other person. It's like calling them a bad name, like an epithet. That's how bad it is. To be an Ovid of Hashem is the greatest accomplishment in life. For Moshe Rabbeinu to be called an Ovid Hashem is an amazing thing. At the end of the Sefer, at the end of Yoshua, Yoshua is called an Ovid Hashem. That shows you that he made himself into an Ebed Hashem. He couldn't do it now. He wasn't an Ebed Hashem yet. By the end of the Sefer, he became an Ebed Hashem. He earned his titles in Ebed Hashem, going through everything he was supposed to go through. Any place where you step, I give it to you. Like I spoke to Moshe. From the desert all the way to Lebanon. We don't know if Lebanon refers to Lebanon itself. The Gemara seems to say it refers to the area of the base of Mikdash. Right? Until the great river, the Euphrates River, which means we're going all the way northeast. All the way northeast to the Euphrates River. The land of the Chitim, until the Mediterranean Sea of Hashemesh, where the sun sets. That's in the west. All of those will be your border. Nobody will stand in front of you all the days of your life. Just like I was with Moshe Rabbeinu, I, was with, I will be with you. I won't weaken myself from you. I will not forsake you whatsoever. Now, it's interesting over here. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was telling them that anywhere they stepped, everything was going to be good. So why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu limit their, their range? Why wouldn't it be that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, wherever you step, you're going to take over, take over the world. 
Why couldn't Akash Baruch Hu tell them that? After all, they could. You can extend the boundaries of Eretz Israel. They did to Avera Yarden. You could do it to Syria, right? Hundred percent. Why can't? Why can't? No, no, no. You could take them as well. Meaning, put them underneath. You only have to kill the the Canaanim, etc. Take everybody else and put them underneath you, and just keep walking. And then there's when the I go, Jesus. I'm sorry. That wasn't the bris. So the bris originally was right over here, but it didn't mean that you had to limit yourself. If Asher Tidro Kafra why would it then say these are boundaries? And the simple answer is. These boundaries are a different area from everywhere else on earth. There is a, an inherent Kedusha within Eretz Yisrael that you can spread to other places. But there's an inherent Kedusha there, which are intrinsically holy. The HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Shechina is there. It's influenced by it. That's the idea behind it. You want to impart holiness to any other place? You want to take it somewhere else? You can do that. You can do that. But there are boundaries into where this holiness is absolutely there. Meiser, Truma, and Shemitah, etc. apply here. Can it be extended elsewhere? Yeah, it could be extended elsewhere. You could take it and bring it somewhere else, but it's not a guarantee. There's certain things that are there, yeah. Like if, if we did, like according to Rambam, conquer all of Eretz Yisrael, yeah. and then we had the Melech get up in front of the Sanhedrin and say, I want to take a war, yeah. right? And then conquered that land. Is that land now high, let's say, in Meisr to Reis? There, there's a kasha. There's a kasha about that, I mean, whether or not it's, it depends on Kivish Yalkut, but you're not talking about Kivish Yalkut, you're no. saying there. Then yes, it would be almost the exact same thing as Eretz Yisrael. That's what Avery Arden was. Avery Arden became like Eretz Yisrael when it came to that. So it's like that. So 100% when it goes through there. But the point is, they had to actually do something here. They had to actually move their feet and put them there, right? That's what you're going to get. If you do something, then I'll let you have it. The Guru Arya says throughout the Torah, whenever you see these crazy miracles happen, let's say, Moshe Rabbeinu killed the Ish Mitzri by saying the name of Hashem. Says the Guru Arya, certainly there was a name of Hashem involved, but he punched him at the same time. The name of Hashem made his punch more potent. It's not that just there's one thing over there, it's that you can make your power, your, your punch, a little more powerful than it once was. That's the idea behind it. Now, Yoshua has promised over here that he's going to live a life like Moshe Rabbeinu, which means he was going to live for 120 years, not just 110. If he does everything on Kaddish Baruch commands, and we'll see, unfortunately, it doesn't happen. But there are four worries that Yoshua was worried about, and all four of them are answered up by these Pesukim. Number one, he was worried that the Jews were going to rebel against him. He was worried about a rebellion. The Malvin promises him, as long as you do what I want you to do, lo no man will stand in front of you among your nation. Nobody will stand up and try to question your authority during your time, and that happened. That promise, that assurance from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, never, there was never a person that stood up in the days of Yoshua I mean, that got up. I mean, his concern is logical, because people tried to stand to Moshe, of course. Moshe was such a, a per, like a... A god, a almost. I mean, yeah. His personality, he can... He can Quashing a rebellion, but now Yoshua, he's not the same. Exactly, it makes so much sense that he would worry about it. Number two, he was worried about another prophet getting up. He got a Nevoah. Who says there's not another Navi that's going to get up and say something else? He was worried that another Navi was talking to Hashem, and God's not going to tell another. If God's giving him Nevoah, he's not going to give another Nevoah, contradicting the You're a thousand percent right, and you're right about that. He needed to be assured of that, that nothing else would happen. Elder Amedad. Elder Amedad, Bilam, yeah. All these guys. They didn't contradict Moshe, they just added something to it. Yeah. All he needed was Korach. somebody like that that could knock down his his leadership. Yeah, that's all you need. That's something like that. Number- we also see uh, by Shlomo had that same persona as his father. I mean, very, very good. Rechavim yeah. came along and was like, I'm going to be Exactly. Yerubim was able to go. Yerubim couldn't fight Shlomo, but he fought Rechavim. You're 100% right. Number three, he saw the might of the Canaanim. He said, I need to worry. I need to say, are we going to win this war? 
I, are we going to be okay here? Because like I see they're strong. What's going to happen over here? And the fourth thing was his own Yitzhahara. How do I know that I'm going to survive this? How do I know that I'm going to be okay? And all of this is going to be over here. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say, Yoshua was promised altogether that everything was going to be okay, and that's not that, that, that's not there. There's an unbelievable little piece over here, a story that he brings down about the dead and what happens to the body after death. And it's not no, no shaykh is the pasuk. Pasuk vote. Chazak v'amatz Hashem told him, "Be strong and courageous." You will allow the people to inherit the land or drive out the people from the land that I swore that to give them. Be very strong, Don't turn away from it. right or left. Do not turn away. You will be wise in everything you do. It's going to be like this. Your generation will be there as long as you keep it up. You keep it up. Everything is going to be here. The Rambam says from this pasuk, there is a chiv to transmit. Torah Sheba Alpeh that went from Moshe to Yoshua to the Zakanim. Yoshua had to tell it over to the next generation. He had to be part of the Mesora, and it comes from this pasuk. Rak Chazak Maat Lamaod Lishmor Lasikolat Torah Shertzivka Moshe Avdi. The same way you were commanded, you have to find a Talmud. Now, according to the Rambam, the, the Rambam says that Yoshua's Talmud was Asniel ben Kenaz that he was the next in the line of the Mesorah, that it went through Asniel ben Knaz. We don't see that anywhere in the Torah itself. We don't. I'm sorry? It was the kingdom in Pirkeiotis, <coughs> right? But we don't know who that, those are. The, according to the Rabbinic Yonah, refers to the Shoftim. I'm sorry? He didn't marry his No, Asniel ben Knaz married Kalev's daughter. Oh, right? He went to Kalev's daughter. But it's that. And if you'll notice, it's interesting. In this passage, it says, Laskola Torah Shirt Sivcha Moshe Avdi. That's Durabanans, Torah Shabbat the next pasuk, lo yomosh sefer Torah zemi picha. Don't remove the sefer Torah zemi picha. Says the the, the Rambam. You notice he said Torah shaval peh before Torah shaval chsav. Torah shaval peh is the ikker to transmit. Then comes Torah shaval chsav. Torah shaval peh must be given over so that you can understand Torah shaval chsav better. That's lo yomosh sefer Torah zemi picha. But gisvo yom v'alai you should learn it day and night. Here comes the line over here that a person should not spend any time during his day doing something else. A person went up to his uncle Rabbi Yishmael. And he said, is, is there a possibility that I could learn some Greek chachmas, some of the Greek chachmas that are out there? And he said, if you can find a time that's neither day nor night, then you can go ahead and do it. Otherwise, the Maharal says there's always a heter to learn other chachmas. If it helps you understand the chachmas itself, then it's more to go through. I actually did that this week. <coughs> I'm giving a whole show this week on Parshish Bo about the, um, the Ra the Ra that he saw that the, the Ra was going to be in front of them, the Kochav of Mazel, of Madim, of Mars, that went into the gods of Egypt to try to understand who was he referring to. Was he referring to Ra, which was a god of Mitzrayim? Was he referring to Horus? There's a bunch of others out there, but I actually did in order to figure out exactly who he was referring to, and I have a whole thing of what it was. Hey, it's really amazing. It's truly amazing what, what it could be. I have three different ideas of what it could be over there. Either way, but that's the way that it works over here. And then it says, so You can keep what it says in there. You stop learning, you're going to forget things. That's just what happens to everybody. Then you'll be matzliach, you'll be wise. Didn't I tell you? Be strong, courageous, never be afraid, don't be discouraged. God is going to be with you wherever you go. You'll be fine with everything you do. Yeah. You say this? Is this all Svartim? All Svartim do this? It's like a paragraph. It's, it's, it's part of a larger paragraph. But yeah. Part of a larger thing. We don't say, uh, Oh, so you say this instead. Listen, this is something that, that really needs to be understood. The people who are coming to Eretz Canaan, remember, they've been in the Midbar for 40 years, learning under Moshe Rabbeinu and Yoshua and etc. 
I'm sorry? It says Yesh Yesh Yeshua. Okay. But they, they, they've been sitting in the midbar for 40 years, learning under Moshe and Yeshua, and they've been sitting in whatever. For 40 years, they've been like that. They're going to Eretz Canaan. There's two things over here. They're about to fight a war in which they're going to be able to eat. This is a, from a Pusik in the Torah. You're allowed to eat non-kosher food. You're allowed to work on Shabbos. You're allowed to do things on Shabbos itself. In fact, the first war they fought against, and Yericho, was on Shabbos. They were allowed to eat unclean animals. They were allowed to eat foods that would be forbidden for other reasons. You might think to yourself, maybe you're also putter from learning Torah. And here, HaKadosh Baruch was telling him, no, you're never putter from learning Torah. Even during the war, you're going to be high learning Torah, which we're going to see by the Malach later becomes a problem. He stopped learning for whatever reason, and the Malach comes to him immediately and says, you stopped learning. What do you mean? I was strategizing for the war. Said the Malach, that's true, but you had other time. There were other time available for you, and you didn't do it, and we'll see. That was the problem. Now, that's us as well. We are allowed to go to work, of course. We're allowed to study what we need to do in order to work. Of course you have to do that. But you still must find t- time to learn. You can't, you can't shirk that responsibility. That's part of it over here. The king, who is obviously responsible for everything that goes on in his kingdom and is very busy all days of his life, must have a Sefer Torah with him at all times. So the seconds that he has where he can learn, he pulls out the Sefer Torah and he does it. That's the idea behind it. Okay, that's the idea. He goes through Tehillim Paragala, over here and stuff like that. Um, fine. By Yitzav Yoshua, as Shotor Amlemor, he commanded the officers of the people and he said the following Ivru Bekaravamachan of Yitzavos Amlemor, go through the midst of the camp and command everybody to the people saying, Prepare some provisions because in three days you're going to cross over the Jordan River, you're going to drive out the people that Akash Baruch Hu said that you're going to drive out. It's right now Zion Nisan. On Yud Nisan, Yud Nisan, you're going to go there and you're going to drive out everybody completely. That's going to be your job. That's what you're going to do. Yoshua was too humble to announce to the people that he had just become a Navi. And they just got a new will from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Instead, he commanded leaders. He told people to tell the people. He didn't gather everyone together and said, hey guys, guess what just happened to me? Instead, he sent out people to give them instructions to go through. But that's how I always understood Anidavu anyway. I mean, there's, you've got two million people here. I didn't know microphones. Like, he's going to stand up in front of everyone and start making an See, it's so funny. In this last week's parsha, it says, if Moshe Rabbeinu was able to take the Piyach HaKivshan, throw it in the air, and it lands all over Mitzrayim, Kalvachomer, his voice was able to carry to the entire people, which is a really interesting measure. And I don't know if it could be taken Literally, the, the translation behind the message is that just like Moshe Rabbeinu's influence went throughout the nation of Mitzrayim, his influence was throughout the people. But the concept, I think, is is that normally you still made a general assembly in order to tell everybody, here's the Nebuah that Akash Baruch made, and Moshe made that. For sure the leaders would be there. there. But I think you'd invite <coughs> more people. Here he just invited heads of the tribes. Heads of the tribes told other people, etc. Instead of making a general assembly and calling everyone together, he just called together a meeting. And that's a big difference. A humble person just makes a meeting and tells them, right? Uh, I, I don't want to say a more guy person because Moshe Rabbeinu did this, right? But somebody who wants to show everyone he got makes a huge meeting. Anybody who can fit in. If you can't fit in, don't worry. Somebody will tell you what just happened. You'll do it from one and to the other. Kind of That's the idea behind it. I'm sorry? What kind of nebuah? What do you mean, what kind of nebuah? Is he getting it in dreams? No, no, no. Uh, it, not like Moshe Rabbeinu, uh-huh. but nonetheless a higher level than most other Nevi'im. So it wasn't a dream, uh-huh. right? But not like, you know, probably more to the beginning. It's only from, um, I don't remember if it's from the Rambam or Derech Hashem or one of the Perushim on each one, which say that Moshe Rabbeinu is the highest, Yoshua was close because he was the moon, no one else comes close to them. I don't remember who says it, and right, but that's I there. I was wondering, does it ever say by other Nebim, by Omer Hashem El so-and-so, meaning like just talking, it's not like, uh, no, it's usually Kol Omer Hashem, meaning it was more of like a distant announcement as to like... Let's look for it. Let's look for it if we see it. We do know <coughs> that Hashem spoke to Bilam that way. 
the wording yeah, but that, of Bilaam. Like, we see like Bilaam was like the... Yeah, the so motion. that would be there. Did it happen to anyone else? That's something we can take a look for. Maybe there is something like that we can look for. It. One other thing over here is that you notice over here, Yoshua is worried about their provisions. He's like, guys, make sure you have enough food for the road. Right? He's talking about a spiritual, like, they're about to fight a war and whatever it is, and he's like, make sure you have food. Right? Obviously, aside from the mun that they were still getting, the mun was running out, they would need something to be able to come inside. He was telling them to let them know you have to go through. One of the greatest things that I've ever heard of Aaron Lichtenstein, Zatzel, uh, the, the Roshiv of Gush Etzion, is that by the, I think it was the 73 war, I can't remember, the Yom Kippur was 73, right? In the Yom Kippur war, right? Gush Etzion, a bunch of on Yom Kippur, they came to the base medrash and they said, "We need you to fight right now." And they pulled out all the soldiers of the Miluim and they called everybody out, right? And yeah, in the middle, they just grabbed them there. They took buses and they all went out there. They were trying to get a bracha from Rav Aaron so they can quickly get a bracha before they get on. Rav Aaron was nowhere to be found. All of a sudden, as they were getting on the bus, right, he runs toward them carrying rolls of toilet paper. He says, "You're going to forget these. You'll need these when you're in the field." And he gives each one of them a roll of toilet paper. That shows me the godless of a person, right? Such a silly little thing, right? But it shows you he's thinking about everything they need and really meant it. He really felt it. I, 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 that, that reminds me of what Yoshua did over here, saying to them, do you guys have enough food? <laughs> it's like an old mother. Like, hey, do you have enough? Are you sure you have enough? So what it says over here. It says like this. Belaruveni. Right, the Ruveni, ah, there's another good mush over here, but we're going to have to skip it. Pasuk Gibbez, to Ruven, God, and Chatz, Shev, Menashe. Yeshua turns to them and says, Remember what HaKadosh Baruch, what Moshe Eved Hashem said to you, saying, Hashem is allowing you to do this, and He's giving the land outside of Eretz Yisrael. Your wives, your children, your cattle, they're going to sit in the land of Shonosan Lacham Moshe, and on the other side of the Jordan River, and you... We'll cross over armed in front of your brothers. Oh, so you might have something like that. So, Kol Gibor all the strong men, and you will help them. Until everybody is taken care of, and they will also drive out the people of the land that Hakadosh Baruch gave them. Then you can return. You can go back to the area that is east of the sun itself. They did do this, by the way. In the end, they stayed, and not only for the seven years of conquering, but for the seven years of dividing. These men stayed along with Moshe Rabbeinu and all the people out there waiting until everything was finished before they went back. They kept everything that they said that they were going to do over here. Now, the pshat is, is that Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't even sure how much they would need them for. If B'nai Yisrael were worthy, they would be able to go in without doing any fights. They would not have to fight whatsoever. It's only if they weren't worthy where they would have to fight, where they would need somebody like Moshe, they'd need Moshe or Yoshua to be able to come along, and then where chas v'shalom things could happen, and that's when they would have to be there, that's why they told him to be able to go. But Moshe Rabbeinu did give them a promise, and the Medrash says, he told them, not one of you will be killed. If you come back, you have the assurance of Moshe Rabbeinu that you're going to return, and that's why Yoshua told them over here, and then you will return. It's almost like a promise from a Navi, you will all return, and that's exactly what happened. All 40,000 of them who ended up going, all Came they back at that point. They went to Eretz Yisrael to go fight with Klal Yisrael. But, uh, I, they had 30, 36 people. It said. 30, 
not moving gun in Chassid Shem and Asha. The people oh, that died. Oh, from those, those Yeah, those from those people. people. I don't mean that no war, nobody yeah. will die. I mean from moving gun yeah. in Chassid Shem and Asha, right? And that's that. It seems that Yoshua so, showed, sent messengers over here. He showed, he showed them, I don't really need your help. It's not like I'm begging you for help over here. He's reminding them, this Which is for your own good. Menasha, this is that. Yeah, your better Menasha was one of the casual, or was one of the casualties. He yeah. might not have been one of the people that would have been outside, because remember, Reuben and Gud would have been the important people no, over here. No, because he, he was on the other side, because he, remember, he made those cities. You are correct. If Yari Bamanasha is the same person, if Yari Bamanasha, yeah. there may have been many, so let's say same with Malkir Bamanasha, then it would be a problem, because he died. Right, but otherwise they wouldn't have done anything. By Yanu is Yeshua Lamor, they answered Yoshua saying, Kosher is Ivan Nasa, we're gonna do everything that's Kosher to Shalkinu Nilech. Wherever you send us, we'll go. Kosher Shamanu al Moshe Kenish Mailach, whatever we heard from Moshe Rabinu will listen to you. Raki Hashem Lakimoch, Kishani Moshe, but Hashem has to be with you. Meaning, anybody, right, the only way we're listening to you, Yoshua, is if Hashem is with you, if you continue to listen to Hashem. You must. Anybody who rebels against your mouth or, do, or does not listen to your words, whatever you command will die. But you must be strong and courageous. You must keep doing everything you're supposed to do. If you're willing to do that, not, that then that's fine. Toward the end, there's a very interesting medrash that goes through with Shovach. Shovach was a king in Persia who heard about everything that happened in Eretz Canaan and sent a letter to Yoshua telling him he wanted to avenge altogether the people. He took 45 kings with him and 60,000 soldiers along with Yephes, who was this very, very famous strong man, sent a letter over to Yoshua. Yoshua didn't want to read it. He waited until after Shavuos. And then afterward, he saw that, that, that what the letter said and sent a message back saying, you have no right to fight me. Don't come up. I'm sorry? Take revenge on the, uh, for the On the Jews for what they did to Canaan, etc. Okay. In the end, a crazy story happens where they go to fight against Shovach and Shovach stood on top of a wall. I don't know if they went to Shovach or Shovach, whatever it is. Right? And as they're going through, Shovach's mother, this is what the measure says, Shovach's mother, who was a witch, surrounded them with iron walls, seven iron walls. And they couldn't get out, and they were starving, and they had no ability to get out whatsoever. They weren't sure what to do over here. Um, where is it over here? Uh, da, da, da. And he said, right. And the only soldiers who didn't come with Yoshua were from Ruvain and Gud. Yoshua ne- didn't think he needed them. He quickly wrote a letter to Yaniach, who was the king of, of Reuven and Gud at the time, sent it in the hands of a dove, in the wings of a dove, brought it over there, and it quickly went over there. They also gathered Pinchas, and Pinchas came with Reuven and Gud, coming over to this idea over here. Shobach's mother saw them and said, I see a star coming from the east, referring to Pinchas. It's going to be over now, right? Shobach then got so mad at his mother, he pushed her off the wall. This is Medrash, right? Pushed her off the wall, right? Pinchas blew his trumpets, his chatzotros, I guess it is. The walls fell down. They all went in, destroyed Shobach and all of his army, and that was that. And that's why it says in the Pasuk, Adeshir Yaniach. Yaniach refers to the king of Reuben and Gud who ended up taking over. One of the most unbelievable midrashim I've ever heard. The question is where it's referred to in the Pusik and what the meaning is behind it. I don't even know what to refer to over here. I'm not even so sure what it goes to, but this is an amazing, amazing Pusik over here. There's a Machlokas and how Yoshua is supposed to lead the people. It's Machlokas and how Akadosh Baruch Hu spoke to Moshe and what Moshe said to the people. It's either Kisavi, you'll bring the people, or Kisavo, you'll go with the people. Moshe told him to go with the people and listen to the Zikanim. Hakarish Baruch Hu told Yoshua that the way he has to be is he has to be Savi, he has to be the leader of the people itself. What Yoshua decided was that he was going to be a leader who was going to teach others what to do. To be a quintessential leader who delegates to his other people what they should do and what they should be. That's exactly what he did over here. And that's the shot behind it. Rachazak means 
keep the laws of the Torah itself, make sure to do all these things. As long as everything happens, you'll be good. Reuven and Gud, we already said before, <coughs> the reason why they wanted this land outside of our soul was for holier reasons, not just because they had a lot of sheep, etc., but because Moshe Rabbeinu was buried out there. They felt a connection to the land. They felt that this was proper land for them, and therefore they stayed out there, and therefore it was allowed without any problems to be able to go through. Let's see Parak Bays. Yoshua ben Nun sent from Shittim two men who were spies silently saying to them, Go check out the land in Yericho. They came to the house of an Isha Zona. Literally, that's translated an innkeeper, according to the Targum. But from the Radak, it seems to be a prostitute. Her name was Rachel. And they slept there, right, for that night itself. Now, Obviously, whenever you see a land, you're supposed to send spies out. Well, if you're a king and you want to check out a land before you destroy it, you want to send out spies to see what it is over there. You have to determine how well fortified it is. Is it ready for an attack? Is it something that I have to worry about right here? Right? How do I do? You have to develop a strategy. What's inside there? How do I get in? Etc. Stuff like that. Moshe Rabbeinu sent out ideas, number one, spies, to see if it was worth the effort. Here, that's what the people wanted, so he wanted to see what was worth the effort. And that's the problem with those spies. Spies came back and said, it's not worth the effort. They're too strong and there's no reason for us to do it. Yoshua just sent out spies to be able to see this strategy. What are we going to do? We're fighting. We're going to go in. It's going to be fine. What will we do when we have to go inside there? I heard that he was hired to send out spies this time. Right? Yoshua? Yes. That's an interesting line. I'd like to see that. Right? Why would be hired specifically? Right? He wanted to determine what was going to be over here and what it was going to be. Now, there's a question when he sent them. It could be he sent them on Zion Nisan three days beforehand. We have a little bit of a problem with the Pesukim later, but it could be he sent them on Zion Sivan. It could be he sent them on Hay Sivan a little bit earlier before the Avelis was up. could be he was anticipating leaving immediately afterward. I hate Nisan, I'm sorry. Zion Nisan or Hay Nisan, meaning right then and then three days, etc. It could be that's what happened over here. That's possible to win. Originally there were 12. Here he sent two. The point was, he didn't want them going back to the people. He wanted them reporting straight back to him. And that's why he said the word Teresh. He doesn't want them going around telling people, etc. That's that. Now, it never mentions who the names of these spies are. Chazal tells us it was the same two spies that Moshe Rabbeinu sent to Ya'azer to spy it out. That was in Parshish Kulkas. It says he sent Meraglim over there. Same two spies. Who were those spies? Kalev and Pinchas. Kalev had already been sent before. Pimkos, obviously we know who that is, and that's that. That's the idea behind it. That's why it says he sent to the Meraglim. He sent Meraglim. They were already Meraglim. They were already spies. Kali was a spy twice already. Pimkos was a spy once by Yaz already. Now, what is Kirish over here that it's going to be sounding? Number one, the simple answer is don't let any other Jews know. The problem with what Moshe Rabbeinu did with the Meraglim is that everybody found out about it, and that's not the idea. You don't want to frighten them. You don't want them to rebel. Don't tell anybody whatsoever. Number two, speak silently to the Kananim. Speak cunningly to them. Don't let them know who you are or where you're from. Dig into their hearts. Try to do it in such a way where they won't realize who you are. It could be, he told them, don't go in speaking. Be silent. Pretend you're deaf-mutes. Pretend you're deaf-mutes like you can't understand anything so people will speak freely around you and you'll hear what they're saying. That's what it means. Be cherish. That's what it is. Be actual deaf-mutes so everybody will speak around you. Number four, he's telling what to do. Go in as craftsmen. Horsham. So you can go in as craftsmen or pottery makers, cheres, is pottery, so people won't suspect you as being spies. You'll go in there to be able to do stuff like that. 
a fifth interpretation is that cherif refers to magic. Go see if their magic is real or if it's all fake. Is it like what we've seen in Mitzrayim, or is it something a little bit different? Apparently, Yericho was filled with magic, as we'll see when it comes down to it, right? Something over there. Yericho was an important city. It was fortified, guarded by seven different, these huge walls, all with tremendous armies inside there. It was one of the biggest cities at the time. The best soldiers were over there. Aside from that, they had already gotten themselves ready for this. They knew the Jews were on the other side of the Jordan River. They had gotten themselves ready. They knew something like this was going to happen. So here's what happened. Kelvin and Pinchas immediately went into the first house that they found within the wall, which is Rachel Vazona's. Rachel Vazona had a house which was half outside the wall, half inside the wall. The house that was inside the wall was what she used for her illicit purposes, for her prostitution. The one that was outside of the wall was considered her hotel. She owned an inn. Unfortunately, innkeepers back then, especially if they were female, ended up being a little bit of both. The hospitality was extended not only to the house but to the body of the person itself and that obviously gave them more and more people to come in. So unfortunately, that's what they ended up doing. You had one that was outside the wall, one inside the wall over here. Chazal tell us that Rachav over here, Rachav Azona, was actually a very different type of person. She was 10 years old when the Jews left Mitzrayim. 10 years old when they left. Uh, when they left, And she was convinced she wanted to join the Jews. But since she was so beautiful... People convinced her not to go. And because she didn't take the initial step, she didn't go in, all of a sudden she waited outside. She waited, and she became an innkeeper. And that was her downfall. For 40 years, she became a zona. 40 years. Can you imagine this? If she would have left immediately, she was always the zivug for Yoshua. In the end, she marries Yoshua. She would have left him. Leave what? She, the, the, leave Yericho and go join the Jews. The same way Yisro came to meet the Jews, the Medrash says that she herself wanted to go through. The, the, hearing about Kriyas Yamsu, when Kriyas Yamsu happened, all the crazy things, she was ready to go. But the people convinced her not to go. Convinced her. Told her don't go. And because of that, she lost out on 40 years instead of being with Yoshua and seeing the miracles of the desert and being around... Instead, she was a Zona for 40 years. From the Kedusha that she missed out on, she became a Kedesha. She became a prostitute. Because that's what it is. You miss that moment of inspiration, that flash of inspiration, you go from Kedusha to Kedesha. That's what Chazal learn over here, from here, from that. Chazal say there was not a single king or prince in Canaan that did not sleep with her. That's what they say about a person named Rachav Azona. She was so attractive, says the Gemara Antinus, that people would just say her name, and if they knew her, they recognized her, they would immediately have Sheikh Vazera. That's what would happen when a person saw a person like Rachav Azona. That's how awesome she was, just saying her name caused her to be that way. You'd assume so. Now, apparently not, because Yoshua was fine. Well, so, how do like, I mean, I'm not saying any bad, yeah. but I got projected. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you assume she'd be retired by the time she must have been 50. in her 60s. She's 50. Yeah. 10 plus 40, right? So she's 50 years old right now. She's 10 years old. You can expect her to go and join another nation. Ages then were so different. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 maybe. Maybe. <coughs> I mean, if she had people with her. Apparently that's why. She went to find somebody nobody would go with her. Is it's possible, possible it was. shot that she is, like I remember seeing somewhere in her toes yeah. that she was just the daughter of somebody from outside of Canaan. And she was a foreigner also. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. She was a little bit different. How could she marry Yoshu if she was a Canaanist? That makes sense because they'd have to kill her immediately. Unless you say that the bris that she made with him a little bit later on. Chazal says something amazing over here. So Kavu and Pinchas, you'd think like, wow, uh, that's not the house you want to go into. You know, that's not the place (laughs) you'd go into. But the Pesach says, by Yelchu, by Avo. They came and they went. They they went and they came. Meaning, they, they came in, they went in. As innocent as they came out. They did not do anything with Rachel Vazona, that they came out the same way when it comes down to it. And that's the idea. Now, you shouldn't put yourself in that type of a situation. Even a Talmud cannot put himself in a situation where you're over there. But this was an important meal, an important thing for them to do. Number one, 
Jewish people were known to abhor prostitution and stuff like that. What happened in Shittim was a, an anomaly in which they were caught, and everybody saw what happened to the Jews after that. So they didn't think that they would be suspected of being Jews if they went into this house specifically. Number two, they knew there would be the greatest concentration of travelers. They want to know what people are saying. Remember, Yeshua said, go spy out the land and Yericho. How are they going to spy out the land if they go to Yericho? The answer is, you can find people from all over the place by Rachel's house. They knew they'd find people everywhere by that house, whatever there, and they purpose they purposely sat down, pretended <coughs> to fall asleep, and they did that. Number three, they knew the person to talk to was Rachel. She's the one who knew everything going on everywhere. They knew about her fame or infame, infamous, right? When it came down to it. And number four, they saw by the name of Rachel. They were Midaik Bishem. That Rachel means wide. Now, unfortunately, wide can also mean that she used her body, she widened her body so that everybody can be together with her. That's a way of understanding it. But they also knew that she was a very generous person and that she would help them. And they were right. They were 100% right when it came down to that. She knew from the start exactly where they did not fool her whatsoever. She knew exactly that they were Jews. And she remembered 40 years ago she wanted to join them. She wants to join them again. She decided right there at that point she wanted to do this. Now, Chazal even say that Kalev and Piklas may have gone in looking for potential converts, that they wanted to find people were Garam and Giorsim, so that they could take them on and bring them along, right, to be able to go through. When Moshe Rabbeinu said, are there eight sim inside there, there are trees. Find the seeds of the trees that you can use, which there are converts inside there, even though we're supposed to kill everybody from Canaan. But if there are people inside there that want to convert, see if there are people, see if there are people that are worthy of coming in. Only if it's a person like Khalid and Khalid, who are able to see beyond the ordinary, then you could, but right, we don't. Normal people wouldn't do it. If you're in an inn, you would assume they're out-of-towners. <laughs> That's funny, actually. Yeah, they're, they're from somewhere else entirely. Wait, another question. Yeah. The beginning of Parak Aleph, God tells Yoshua, "Go, I, I already gave mm-hmm. it to you. Just go take it." Mm-hmm. What's he sending spies for? To... He didn't say the exact same words of "Go give it to you." I take, you know, you will win. Yeah, yeah, you're going to take it. But you still need strategy. And that he understood What's from strategy? the Azir. That you need to know how to fight. And throughout the Navi, we're going to see Yoshua does not go into wars unprepared. He, the only time he did was by the eye. And even then he prepared for it, but they told him the wrong information. And then he fights with the strategy. Strategies of war are learned from Yoshua. So we're going to see that there's something to it. Yoshua said, I'm not going to rely on miracles. I'm going in with, you know, with enough information to make this happen in the right way. It was told to the king of Yerichol, saying, People came tonight from B'nai Yisrael to spy out the land. He sent a message to Rachel saying, Go bring out those men that came to you. Because you know what they came for? They came to spy out the land. They were extremely weak. Here's the shot over here. You know what they ended up saying? Two guys walked into the, the house of the prostitute. Nobody else was able to go to the house of the prostitute. They were weak with fear. Nobody could be with the prostitute. When they saw these two men, they said they must be from Klavistral. Who else would be able to have the strength to be with such a person right then? Or, number two, it wasn't customary for two people to walk into Rachel's house. You always walked in one at a time. Nobody walked in two at a time. When they saw two at a time, they were already suspicious. Number three, they came to the city at night. They came to the city at night. Who comes in at night? They wanted to hide. Number four, this is an amazing medrash. There was a light shining from their faces, and they realized these were otherworldly men. They must be from Bnei Yisrael. <laughs> Unbelievable medrash. Absolutely medrash. I'm sorry? <laughs> yeah, they probably, if they knew about aliens, if only they would have known. They were aliens, you know, illegal aliens from across the border. Right, that would be. 100%. That's that. The Canaanim informed the kings that they did not tell them that the spies were at the house of Rachel. They didn't know exactly. They just, again, when the spies went in to tell the king, they're here. 
they didn't say they're at the house of Rachav. The reason why is because Rachav had a crazy amount of influence. And they didn't want to be kicked out of Rachav's house forever. So they just told the king, they're here. And the king immediately assumed, they must be at Rachav's house. Because that's where everybody goes. So they immediately assumed something like that. And that's what ended up happening over here. The king did not want to take out the spies by force. He could have sent men in, just ran through the house, ransacked the house, and took people out. Nobody wanted to get Rachav upset. That was the influence of Rachel. That's how powerful she was. And that was such a bracha for Klal Yisrael that that didn't happen. He instructed his messengers, speak respectfully to her. Get her to bring out the people herself, right? To do that, tell them, tell her that these are not people coming to use your services. They're spies who are going to destroy you and everything around here. That's that. Some say that it wasn't even through this. It wasn't people that were at Rachel's house. They saw through astrology that two people had come into the house of Rachel and that they were the spies from Klal Yisrael and they were worried about the impending attack. They were looking through and that's the idea behind it. So she said, yes, they came inside. Her response was exactly that. But she, she, she answered and she said, they did come in, but they came in as potters. There were potters over here. That's the only reason. So listen, I did everything. I need pots, right? Because I need people making pottery for me. So I asked them in, I bought their wares and then they left and then they left, right? She said, I, I don't know where they went. They could have been anywhere. They said, no, they're not potters. They're coming to dig up the whole land. They're trying to destroy the entire land over there. Rachel knew she could not contradict the messengers. If she would have said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. They would have ransacked her house. She couldn't lie. So she didn't lie. She said, yeah, they came, but I don't know where they are now. They left, and that's that. That's the idea behind it. Now she wouldn't be suspected, and at least she'd have some time to be able to help her. She got all of her servants to be able to help her, and that's that. Chazal say, Rachav is one of three people who told the truth, even though it was at the risk of her life, and got Olam Haba for it. Received Olam Haba for it. One of the people were uh, the Givonim, as we'll see, and the midwives, Shifram, Pua, and Mitzrayim. We'll talk about all the Givonim as we get to it. They didn't. We'll see. It's, it's going to be very big. They did not lie. Here we go. She took the two men and she hid him. Notice the word. Not Vatitzbenem. She hid him. came She said, yeah, they came. I didn't know where they were from. As the door was closing at night, they left. I don't know where they went. If you run after them, maybe you'll find them. Right? Notice, she only said him. The reason why, either she hid them in a place which would only fit one person. That's Vatit's Beno, right? Only in a small place where only one. Or she hid them separately, each one separately. Or, right, um, uh, she purposely... Uh, oh, don't worry about that. I'm sorry, I forgot about that. The second, the third explanation is just simply put, she tried to hide Pinchas. She hid already Kalev. She tried to hide Pinchas. Pinchas was like, oh no, I'm a Malach Hashem. Don't worry about me. And immediately disappeared. Immediately <laughs> disappeared. Now that's the unbelievable thing over here, right? It could be that she hid it itself. Now, obviously... This is a little bit strange. What in the world do we mean over here? Pinchas relied on a massive miracle to just disappear in front of those people? You can't do that. How in the world do you do that? How in the world could you say that? So the shot is, he wanted to be there to hear what the messenger said because he knew he had to be most or nefesh to fulfill the command of what Yoshua told him to do. He had to be present to see what's going to happen. Said, Yo, said Kalev over to, as I said, um, sorry, Pinchas, over to Rachav. I need to be here to hear what these people are saying. I need to know what's going on in this line. I'm sent here to spy. I'm going to spy out the land. I am not disappearing. I'll hide behind this little curtain over here. And if Akadosh Baruch wants to hide me, great. And if not, that's fine. I'm willing to be, give up my life to Akadosh Baruch and be over here. That's exactly what happened, right? And Pentecost even thought, maybe if they search, they find me, they won't even search for Kali. They won't even worry about it. So that's the idea behind it. The messengers arrived. And according to Chazal, some people even say, she pointed out Pentecost and said, oh yeah, the men are right here. And that's when HaKadosh Baruch did not allow them to see Pinchas. When she realized that they couldn't see Pinchas, she was like, oh, wow, this is a miracle. Now I'm on the Jew's side. 
and that's when she came to the Jews' side. That is a medrash as well that came down over here. It says, uh, what else over here? Right, she hit him. Next, via loss of Magaga. She brought them up to the roof after the messengers already left. But teach me name yeah, the Pishta It wasn't so altruistic. It was like, wait a second. According to that medrash, right? She did what she was supposed to do. She took advantage of the situation. Yeah. She hid them in Pishta Eitz, now by flax. In the first part, it was Titzpino. Safun is a quick hiding, just to quickly get you out of the way, like throw you in a closet and whatever it is. Tamun is completely hidden. Tamun is completely buried. That were laid out on top of the roof to be able to go through. The reason why linen, linen protects you from magic. That's brought over by all the different Maforshim. Linen protects you from magic. So they purposely carry it out. That's why the coin Gelder wore that. That's why Yosef Atzadik and Mitzrayim only wore pure linen. That protects you from magic. It protects you from everything you have. That's the idea behind it. And therefore, you don't have to worry as a side note, by the way. The reason why is because all magic comes from Mars. And linen is called Sheish. And therefore, it had the properties of the other six planets or stars and whatever it is, but not Mars. That's why it's called Shesh specifically. What's up? What? Tafun is completely hidden from That's view. That's the mountain, by the way. Yeah. Mountain, yeah. yeah. It's hidden from view. Tamun is he's covered, but it could be where like uh, somebody's covered by blankets. So he's hidden by the blankets, but there's still something there. You know, it's so funny because I'm pretty sure that I'm quoting the mountain when I say that. I'll have to look it up later. I don't remember. Um, okay, I'll, I'll check my other safer because I have it inside there. But uh, you might be right, and maybe I just messed it up over here. The men ran after them through the Jordan River on Mabrois, through to the fords. They closed the gate and they locked it after they went through. Now, the soldiers, the, the servants, I'm sorry, were supposed to go at some point later on. There's a question who locked the gate. Did Rachov lock the gate so they wouldn't come back? Or did the soldiers lock the gate so that nobody could leave Rachov's house? And that's why they couldn't go through the front door of Rachov's house. They had to go through the window in the wall itself. What exactly happened over here? It could be that the soldiers themselves were not convinced that they weren't in Rachov's house. Rather, they went out locking the door thinking, we'll chase after them, we'll see what happens, but we're coming right back. It could be that that's what they did over there. Right, and that's that. Before they fell asleep, it's so funny, by the way. They were like, yeah, we'll be fine. And they fell asleep. They were like ready to go to sleep. They had pajamas on. They're ready to go to sleep. She went up on top of the roof to be able to protect them, to be able to go. They were perfectly faithful that everything was going to be okay. She went and said, she said, I, I can't go onto the roof at some point. I might worry about the, 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 the what's it called? The, uh, the, uh, the soldiers might think that they're there. She went on top of the next roof and spoke to them from one roof to the other. I know that HaKadosh Baruch gave you the land and that your fear is upon us. Everybody's melted from you. I heard that HaKadosh Baruch dried up all of the Meyamsuf in front of you. That which you did to the two kings of Moriah. We heard this. We melted. Nobody's able to stand up in front of you. God is the king above, the king above, the God above, and the heavens above is the world down below. The Shimoni says she had Yecheskel's, one of her children, great, great, great grandchildren, who saw the heavens above. She said that God is that the God of the heavens above, without being a gear, without knowing. Therefore, she had Yecheskel that came from her. Batok. He shavuna li Hashem, swear to me by Hashem's name. Yechezkel ben Buzi. Uh, Yechezkel ben Buzi. I don't remember. 
I kind of thought he was from Yehuda. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's hard to say otherwise. No, 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 but not from, it might have been, you know, a daughter, yeah. Do a chesed with my father's house. No, certainly osa emes. Give me an osa emes that you'll do it. Save my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters. Save us from death. I'm asking you for a favor in return. The people said that, and the men said back to her, Our souls are instead of yours to die. But only on condition that you do not tell other people our words. When Hashem gives us the land, we will do this for you. But you cannot... Everybody has to be very, be very careful with their words. When you say you're going to do something, make sure there's conditions behind what you're saying. Don't just say, yes, I'll do it. Just make sure they say, yes, I hope I'm going to be able to do it. So they said, we're going to do it as long as you fulfill your conditions. I can't promise you. We'll do everything in our power to do it. But they never swore. Notice, they never said, Shavua Sashem. They never said, we promise. They never did that. Said, we're going to try. She brought them down to the rope. Again, she put them into the house that was in the wall. She brought a little window there. And that there was a rope that they used to climb down in order to get out of the house. Her house was in the wall itself. And within the walls where she lived, there were two houses. One in the wall, one outside of the wall. That's that. She always had a rope. She used to let her clients in and out through that rope so that no one would be able to see them. Unfortunately, it was uncomfortable. As the... Kalev and Pinchas were coming down the rope. They said to a Baruch Hu, Kaddish Baruch Hu, please, what, why does it have to be so hard? And a Baruch Hu, because of that, punished Rachav, that Rachav's great, 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 great grandchild, Yirmiya, Yirmiya Anavi, when he was in the pit, had to climb up out of the pit instead of with a ladder, with a rope. He had to climb up out of a rope. And even though it was annoying, and even though it was very, very difficult to do, because she let them down with a the rope, therefore he got a rope. Isn't that an unbelievable media connection? Yeah. Uh, Children don't get punished. I guess there was something that he must have done that was similar to what Rachel did because that's the only time he get punished. But somehow that was in there. She told them, go to the mountains. You don't want to go near the people that are chasing after you. What's the difference? He gave her her word if you're going to save her. That's exactly correct. Yeah, hold on. Hide there for three days. Wait there for three days. Notice, by the way, three days. They were only there one night. And it was Zion Nisan when they left, right? So three days, and then after Tilka would dark them, and then go back. Rachel was sure that after three days they would forget about them and wouldn't have to worry. And some say this is an actual nevuah. Rachav had a nevuah, a bit of ruach hakodesh, we'll call it. She knew three days everything was going to be okay. There would be no danger after three days over there, and that's because of the three days that they were protected. Whatever, they wouldn't have to worry. You should know that we're technically cleansed from this shul. We never swore to you. When we come into the land, tie this scarlet string. I show that you brought us down with. And then bring them all inside there. Listen, and that's what they're saying. Though it sounds like we don't really swear to you. The shot is, even if we hadn't sworn to you, of course we would have done this for you. We would have saved you. That's not a question. We wouldn't be ungrateful and we would have kept our word. Just we want to make it absolutely clear, right, that if you break the conditions, everything is null and void. Because we never made a shvur to save you. We made it conditional. Just know that if you break any of those conditions, it's going to be different. This string over here was made of flax. That was something that they had over there, right? And that's that. Some say it was a string, whatever it was, but it was red. And maybe that's where those minhagim come from, <laughs> right? And that's that. It was, this, and others say that it was as thin as a string, but it was like a rope. That's how much it was. If anybody leaves your house during that war, their blood is on their own head. Anybody that's in your house, 
the blood is on our heads if anybody touches them. We will make sure that not a single Jew goes in. And that's not easy. You have everybody fighting. They were supposed to get that message wrong. Look for the red string and don't destroy that house. Correct. You tell it over to anyone else. Then we are to completely clean with the, from our oath. She said exactly what you say. She sent them where they went. She immediately tied it to the door with the window. You are so well, let's keep going. Let's go. Let's get to the end over here. They came to the mountain. They sat there for three days. Until the road came back. The chases went through. They didn't find anyone. Not only did they not find the spies, they didn't find anyone. Throughout all the roads, everything was deserted. Because they knew the Jews were on the other side. Right? And nobody wanted to be on the roads. The two men came down. They went down from the mountain. They immediately crossed over. Jordan River was able to be forded with your own feet. You could go across it. But they came to They told them everything that happened over there. They relied on the prophecy of God. They came down in the beginning of the third day. On Yud Nisan itself. They came immediately. Right? And that's that. We all know the Rachel was under Dichuva. She married Yoshua. She had many, many daughters. She did not have any sons. But she became a big tzaddikus, and she was zocha to olam haba. And it says in pasuk of Dalu on this, they said to Yoshua, Shem gave us the land. Everybody's melting in front of us. This is absolutely crazy. We already said when this was. It seems that everything happened on this day. The tenth is when they came back. Although it could have been before. Some say even that the spies met Yoshua and the men after they had crossed the Jordan River. That they never crossed back over the Jordan River. They stayed there waiting for Yoshua to come to meet them. So even though it says, Vatavros Yardin, it really means they met them at the Jordan River. They met them right there. Awesome, guys. We'll stop right there.